Right, it's time for a story to tell. Okay, so today we have a new guest. Okay, the lovely Charlie Minty. We've discussed off air whether I'm going to call him Charles or Charlie. I've known him for a long time, so I'm going to call him Charlie. So that's uh, that's my thing for you. So uh, so good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm right, thanks. Good, good, good. So Charlie is a uh, an artist, a ballroom teacher, and I'll be honest with you, one of those all-round nice chaps. So he's seen almost daily on the streets of Bath, painting the scenes that inspire him and where he feels most connected to his subjects. That's all the research I've done about you, which is quite scary, isn't it? I've Googled you and everything. But, uh, what have you found out? That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> uh, you, you should be worried. There's lots of questions here and they'll be very heavy. It's going to be a heavy day. At, no, not at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to ask you first of all, what about your childhood memories? What's your fun childhood memory? Well, I was just giving this some, this some thought and it's got to be growing up on a farm in Wiltshire um, and the, the long, hot summer afternoons uh, getting in all of the bales of straw on the trailer and putting them in, in the hay barn um, and then having some iced uh, orange squash which had been made homemade in the freezer and drinking that in the in a dust in the barn in the hot weather um with it all sat around just chatting and that, that's got to be for me a standout uh, memory i think that's a lovely memory yeah, yeah that, re- that reminds me of a memory of mine. I used to work in a barn on a farm um, in a business that I used to help run. And uh, the farmer had all the potatoes on the far side and they'd get all the potatoes in for the year. And literally an enormous barn full of potatoes up to kind of head height. Uh, and he used to do what we call rat stomping. So, uh, so yeah, apparently the rats used to be underneath the, the potatoes and he'd go around and he'd just be in his wellies just stomping on the rats. I didn't think I was going in that tangent to start with, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> well, I didn't say any rats in a haystack, but we'd only just built it so they probably took a while to make a home in there cool um so you're now a professional artist so can you tell us how you got into it then uh well another another childhood memory of mine was um actually painting on the farm because it's something i used to do drawing and painting uh, all, all of my childhood really growing up and when i became a teenager and i i wanted to um uh graduate to becoming a painter um, all, of, all of my own volition I, um, I did have a, I was gifted a, uh, a set of watercolours and I was actually asked, I suppose technically commissioned by an aunt, although she didn't pay me any money for it, uh, I'm still a bit sore about that but uh, <laughs> she's still got a painting in Switzerland uh, I'm very proud of it too um, and I painted a picture of the farm um, including the farmhouse and, and I remember sitting in the churchyard which is just directly opposite um, painting a picture and my aunt my aunt Jane who actually has been quite instrumental with the art and the dancing came along and was surprised to find me there in the churchyard and I remember that moment too um, that was another uh, nice sunny afternoon many many years ago um, and uh, it's yeah I often think about that moment and and, um, and probably remembering uh, my childhood my inner child um, and the art uh, late, years later has led me to pursue the, the dream um, and uh, to go painting every day in Bath as I do now. So how long have you been actually a professional artist now then? Um, it's just over a year. Um, that's when I quit my job um, working for a firm over the road who, who should not be named <laughs> <laughs> for legal reasons. No, no, I'm sure they wouldn't mind. But um, I, uh, during lockdown, I couldn't dance um, and I suppose I, I was looking for another creative outlet. I was going through a tough time, wasn't happy in my job and it was one in a succession of jobs that I'd done and, and not been able to sort of find that um, uh, the right job and I'd remembered a promise that I made to myself when I was a teenager and I actually gave up art as a subject that I would take it up again later on in life once I'd have had a few other um, experiences and felt you know confident enough to take that on so um, 
so yeah so it's about a year just over a year and it's been going really well um obviously not not an easy profession no um but one that is very worthwhile very interesting um and i love being out out of doors like i i spent a lot of time in my childhood on the farm you know i'm still out there in the elements and meeting people and yeah it's a great great thing to do yeah, so you're not a, a normal artist in that regards, are you? In that normal artists, if I can say there is such a thing, would be in a studio painting a particular thing. Okay, but you're not that type of artist, are you? I think I'm a bit of an extrovert uh, <laughs> when it comes to most things, which is unusual because I, I met some artists at a life, life drawing class um, in Bath and, um, and they were all sort of stood hiding behind their, their easels. Um, and some very talented artists there were too there. But... Um, but I felt I didn't really fit in anymore. Um, and I think probably because of the, you know, the, the life that I've had um, and um, you know, doing various, various things, uh, including the dancing, um, it does force you out of your comfort zone. Um, and uh, so, so I'm quite, quite comfortable stood painting with hundreds of people walking past or pressing against me as they were last year at the Queen's funeral at Windsor. Oh, tell us about that. Oh, so um, I, had, I felt a bit sad that the Queen had passed, you know, it was, um, wasn't unexpected. Um, but I thought I'd like to do a portrait of her. Um, so I, I started a really big portrait, head and shoulders of the Queen, um, in front of uh, the, the Bath Abbey, um, in front of the public. And then at the end of the, the week of mourning, I thought, well, I'll go up to, to Windsor, take it with me. Um, and I went up the night before, and uh, uh, I carried on painting all through the night, because there wasn't anything else to do. <laughs> I was exhausted in the morning. And then uh, all these people turned up and, you know, kind of pushing and jostling for, you know, for the, the best position at the front. Um, but somehow I managed to do another painting of the scene there while I was, while I was waiting for the procession to go past. And, uh, yeah, it was a, quite an emotional day, um, but fantastic to see all of the, um, uh, you know, all of the military and the ceremony. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great it was a great um, a day to, to, to have been part of that. Now, many people know that I'm a, a dance teacher as well, and I've, I've always stated that I'll, I'll never be a millionaire while I'm a dance teacher because, you know, I love teaching dancing and I love helping people. I know you do as well. Um, are you going to become a millionaire, becoming a, an artist, you reckon? What's well, I have the, to, what's I have the to the hold you responsible a little bit, Richard, okay. for the dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so my Auntie Jane, who I mentioned earlier, um, and my Auntie Hannah, um, I don't know if they're listening in today, but... Um, uh, I'll definitely ask them to listen to the, the podcast. But um, they were doing some rock and they did, said there wasn't enough men. So they said, uh, Charles, or well, they, my family called me Charles, but um, my friends called me Charlie. But I get a bit of both from, from everywhere. But um, they said, come along to Sorok um, and even the numbers up a bit. And I felt quite nervous, actually, first time I was there and kind of being in a, other people's kind of personal space and vice versa. Um, but I soon got over that mm. and I loved it. And uh, yeah, so so I did Ciroc for a couple of years um, with yourself, um, yeah. and then I decided to do a bit of salsa and a bit of Argentine tango, and kind of lost control a little bit, <laughs> didn't <laughs> lost my focus, uh, and really what I wanted to do. And actually, it's something that crossed my mind when I was a teenager as well, um, but I just I didn't know where where to go and uh, and take part. But was to pursue the ballroom dancing, and so I, I decided to seek it out and um, did some in, in Bath before going down to Bournemouth and more latterly uh southampton for lessons myself um because i you know we do we do competitions and you can i think you can never uh stop improving so uh that's something i still do and i also teach as you mentioned teach ballroom dancing um in Sindh. i might be coming along to you for some ballroom dancing soon you never know 
That's, uh, well, we can try. We can, we can, <laughs> we can, we can give it a go. But, uh, but art is definitely your first love yeah. for now, isn't it? And something definitely, which you're doing yeah. as a profession. And, uh, and yeah, so you can see Charlie out on the streets in Bath most days. But uh, we've got lots to talk about yet still with Charlie. So, uh, so, yeah, we'll be coming back fairly shortly. Here's a bit of Conrad Sewell and Hold Me Up. If you do want to contact, it's studio at radiobath.com. Miley Cyrus and Flowers there. So as always, if you want to get in contact, it's studio at radiobath.com for your favourite childhood memories. That's what I'm after today. We've heard Charlie's. We're back with Charlie now. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm really good. Good, good, good. So we're now going to talk about the art itself. Okay, so what do you paint, why you paint it, and anything else that comes up in that scenario. So if you had to choose one piece of art that you have painted, what would be your favourite and why? My favourite picture I've ever, yeah. ever produced. Well, so far to date, I think, uh, even though it's only just been over a year, um, as, as, a, as a child, as I was saying earlier, I, I used to paint in watercolours. And something that I always wanted to, to do was become an oil painter. Um, because I just feel that that is, is what uh, all painters uh, progress to, you know, when they, when they master the craft. But it is, um, when people talk about art, it's, it's a very broad subject, and, and often it can be more about the idea than perhaps the execution. The ideas are just as important. But I think with painting, which is what my, my aspect is, um, it's, it's more, of a, more of a craft. And I think it was Renoir uh, said uh, that to be a good painter, you have to be like a cabinet maker. Okay. In fact, my, my partner actually had me in the kitchen making cabinets the other day, and I was quite good at it. <laughs> but um, but it, is, it is quite a specific thing, painting, um, and a lot of people may have you know, worked in other mediums and, and not tried it. And, it, and it's the idea of trying to almost draw with a paintbrush. You know, it sounds very difficult. It is quite hard to get your, your head around at first, but um, once, you, once you start to get the hang of it, you know, it's really rewarding. Yeah, so I mean, I look at kind of three different standards, I'd almost say, of, of art. And as always, we talk about in dancing quite a lot that the, the waltz is no better than the cha-cha-cha. They're simply just different. And Monet is no better than Picasso. They are simply just different. One is completely different than the other. But um, but yeah, you've kind of got pencil drawing, you've got watercolours, you've got oils. So why do you choose to paint in oils then? Um, well, I, I have to say... But we mentioned Monet and Renoir, and um, I love both of those artists. They're both impressionists, but there is a subtle difference that, um, and I'm sure that both of them did figurative work. But Renoir always considered considered himself to be a portrait painter and a figurative painter, so mm. he preferred to to paint pictures of, of people. Um, uh, although he did also put them in landscapes, but Monet was more about you know his water lilies and and painting sort of pictures of, of pretty landscapes. Yeah. Um, but you know there was a lot of crossover in between, but. Um, uh, so, so I think you know there's often subtleties to to, to painting and, and subject matter and the way that you do it. In the same way as with dancing, you know, you've got I, I love you know I love uh, uh, the waltz and I think it's probably my strongest dance. I'm, hmm. I'm six, nearly six foot four, so, so it kind of suits me. And then the Latin I do love as well. I love the music and I love the timing. Uh, I love the cha cha cha, um, but I'm probably not the ideal height for it because it does you know take a long time to move my legs and arms suit someone more of my stature is that what you're trying to say i'm five foot nine so standing next to charlie i i do feel slightly shorter you, you would be you would be a better latin dancer i think that's why that's why all the all the dancers on strictly are quite short these days they are yeah absolutely. <laughs> i know vincent's tiny isn't he so uh so yeah um so yeah oil paintings though what i love about oil paintings and i look if i look at some of the art that i've owned over the years um they kind of come out of the 
the canvas, whereas watercolours can be almost 2D and, you know, pencil drawings can be 2D. Is that kind of how it is as you're painting yeah, it? Yeah, and I guess, I guess that's why I wanted to start using oil paints, because there is a uh, opaqueness, opacity to them, you know, uh, the real substance to it, um, and it really is, can be quite striking uh, and sometimes look very real, you know, almost like a, almost like a photograph, or you mm. capture something and it just really, really captures the, the viewer. Um, Whereas uh, with watercolours, they can look quite translucent. You can kind of see the paint, the, the paper through them. And in fact, I had a funny story last year. Someone came up and looked at my picture. Uh, and I was painting in, in Bath, city centre. Um, and then he actually looked behind the canvas um, and um, thought that there was something more to it behind it because he okay. couldn't understand how I'd managed to get the depth depth in the picture and i honestly don't think he was joking <laughs> well but that's a very lovely compliment though isn't it, it? it is yeah. so uh, yeah to get depths to watercolors i would imagine is quite difficult now but watercolors are you know it's a lovely medium as well and i think a very difficult one i actually consider watercolors to be in a way more difficult than, than oil paints because you can't correct your mistakes really ah okay yeah i get that entirely um so if you were to look in, you're going to stand in the centre of Bar City Centre and then go, right, I'm now going to create this picture here or this painting in front of me. So how long does it generally take from start to finish? Well, I've done a painting in a day. Um, it was a bit messy. Okay. Um, and then other times, you know, I've spent a long time thinking about uh, what I was going to do um, and maybe been doing, I've been doing other paintings in the meantime, you know, while, I, while that thought process has been going on. So... Uh, first thing I painted was was Bath Abbey actually, and it was meant to be a, a sort of evening scene, um, and uh, it was a big challenge. Uh, and then I came back to that um, almost a year later uh, because I always wanted to capture the reflections in on, on the wet pavement in front of the Abbey. Um, so I did my biggest canvas so far, uh, which is probably my favourite picture. Um, uh, but I had been thinking about that painting probably, you know ever since I had started doing the, the painting uh, again um, but then you know other times well, at the moment I've got a commission after this I've got to go to a house in Weston uh, it was the only wants me the only wants me to paint their house um, and so I'm not the outside no not literally painting it no I've done that but <laughs> one, of my, one of the jobs that I've done in the past but um, no uh, I've got to paint the picture in oils um, and it's going to be a challenge um, okay. uh, so I've, I'm, I've been thinking about that one and it kind of leads me to thinking about, regarding your paintings, how do you know they're finished? And you're not just going to put that extra little tick on here or the extra little crayon, crayon, like you're doing it in crayons, um, the extra little paintbrush here or there. So how do you know it's finished? Well, um, I didn't really answer your last question, but some, sometimes they do take literally you know, weeks and even you know, up to a month to do. Um, and part of that is, is for the reason you've just mentioned, that you can't leave it alone or it's not kind of there's something missing it's missing that x factor um that is just turning it from you know something that's that's kind of you know okay to you've got the wow factor you know yeah now one of your latest pictures or paintings which i've seen online is of uh, is of bath rugby and it looks like a line out so how did how did that come about then it's not my best work to be honest it's a preliminary piece um and uh i i went along to the pre-match walkthrough so before Bath Rugby play their match the day before. Um, they go down to the wreck um, and they they just run through lineouts and things. and um, And I thought I'd go along and, and paint that. Did um, they ask you to do that? Or uh, did you just I asked. Up? I asked them. I got their permission, okay. and, and they uh, were you know kind enough to let me go along. And I ended up meeting um, uh, you know a lot of the team, including um, the captain um, and the coaches. Uh, but it was more difficult than perhaps I thought, or maybe I haven't really thought about it, hadn't thought it through, but now having 
had that experience, so I'm going to go back, um, you know, forearmed and and hopefully better prepared to try to um, try to actually capture more of the action on the canvas because it is flipping impossible to be honest when someone's <laughs> moving that fast to to capture that is impossible. <laughs> so what did you do? Kind of had to have to picture. Kind of, so the for those who haven't seen it, um, it's a picture of a line out, um, which is yeah. where you've got two two groups of chaps lined up next to each other and they jump for the ball so so did you kind of like take a picture in your memory and then go that's what i'll do because they they would have kept on moving surely well indeed they, they were moving very quickly i mean you know a split second and the scene changed um and uh, to be honest i focus more on the background right <laughs> and i did try i did try sketching out some, some of the movement in paint but you know it's my first outing and uh, i've what i've realized is that you know with all these things it's it's all about practice and being in the right um, frame of mind um, and, uh, yeah, and and sometimes you know you don't have a good day and it just nothing seems to go right and then other days you know you manage to produce something um, and you look, look at it and think well that's not half bad. Yeah I think that's always important every day no matter what you're doing you are always going to have good days and bad days and and sometimes we don't understand why that is but uh, but, but oh sorry just to just to add to that um, so the intention is that I will try to paint a picture live at a Bath rugby match. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things, and this is the reason why I do the plein air painting and, and the reason why I don't just take a photograph and go home and complete it. Um, although I do use photography, and I'm sure, you know, Renoir and all these people. In fact, Renoir, there's a funny story about Renoir sitting in a cafe and sending his, his brother or his stepbrother out to um, ask someone the time so they would stop for a moment so he could try and, with them unaware, it's just capture them on his, okay. in his picture. But um, I, I just... When I'm painting outside, I do feel actually being there, um, obviously it helps, um, you know, really uh, capture the perspective and maybe get the colours right. But also that there's some, you know, perhaps aspect of the the feeling, the emotion um, that you bring to it as an artist yourself. um, And that that picture, you know, ends up being perhaps a better picture than it would have been if, if you had done it at home. And certainly... In the evening, with evening scenes, if, if we were to take a photograph, often they're overexposed, mm. at least on my rubbish iPhone <laughs> or smartphone. They don't come out very well. But um, so, so I really believe in capturing things firsthand and out of doors. And so that's essentially what I'm trying to do with the rugby uh, is to capture some of that excitement you know, during the match. But it's a tall order and probably why no one else is being silly enough to try and do it because you've only got um, you know, 80 minutes to, to do so. I'm just trying to think there's, a, uh, there's an ex-cricketer, so a wicketkeeper, who, uh, who does do paint during test matches um russell i can't think of his name yeah i've heard of him come back to me at some point um but yeah so obviously cricket's much slower moving um and often you can imagine the people that are there i still love the story of uh, somebody asked tom jones once about meeting elvis and uh they said to him you know you know you met elvis and they spoke about a variety of different things but the question which i loved which is probably kind of appreciative for yourself here is how did he smell because that's the one thing that you can't get from a TV screen or a sound of, of the radio is how did they smell? And likewise, when you're out in the Bath City Centre, surely that will actually inspire you, the smell of how everything is. Well, a lot of people come up to me <laughs> and say, I love that smell. <laughs> and they're talking about the, the oil paints, actually probably more, more so the, the turpentine, which is the thinners um, that I use, which is, uh, it comes from pine trees. Um, I think with a sap or something, but it's, right. uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice smell, um, but it's toxic, so you don't Okay. <laughs> be trying to get your nose in there too much. Not too much. Well, after the hour, we'll be coming back and listening to a bit more from Charlie.
It's Running in the Family there by Level 42. It's Richard Bovesan here until 2 o'clock today. You're listening to Radio Bath. Now, regular listener Dot has messaged in studio at radiobath.com so she's messaged in with her fondest memory from her childhood i, I really should bring my glasses next time uh, so i can't see the screen uh, but she says gardening on the allotment with my dad and the look on mum's face when i came back looking disheveled and filthy never was a frilly ribbon sort of girl i have my own allotment now and always think what would dad plant here oh that's nice okay she also has a question Charlie is back as well. So she also has a question for Charlie. And the question is, he says, does he ever sit in front of a blank canvas and just not know what to paint? If so, how does it get started? Charlie, it's all yours. Well, Dot, it's interesting (laughs) you should say that. And thank you for your question. Um, uh, Because I'm a plein air painter, uh, which is just Sorry, you said plein air. Sorry to interrupt you. Plein air, what does that mean? So plein air air, um, means in in the open air. Or plein means... Full in, so kind of in the fresh air, in the great outdoors. Um, so there's not much sitting around involved. So so I'm always standing. Um, actually, I can't sit for long periods of time because it gives me a bad back. So it's just as well. But um, but I, I also like to use the term flaneur, uh, which kind of means um, just a, a kind of a wanderer or, or someone who just wanders about uh, looking at things. Um, which I think uh, you know, especially the impressionists and the 1890s or 1880s used to wander about Paris and think, well, what am I going to, what am I going to paint, paint next? And um, I do that in Bath. You know, I spend a lot of time in Bath. You know, if I'm, I'm doing a picture, I've got to walk from my car to, to, to wherever I'm going to paint that day. And um, I'm very lucky that the city of Bath is so rich in history and architecture and, and a very vibrant city as well. So uh, I'm often seeing things and I, I think to myself well, I must paint must paint that one day I'd like to like to do that um, but the thing I do find difficult actually is uh, so for instance this picture I've just completed of Milsom Street um, looking up towards George Street um, which is uh, very well known to, to people who go shopping there and the locals um, actually how to decide you know who's going to be in the picture as, as we were saying um, with the rugby people do move quickly <laughs> so the, the shoppers don't stand still for you is that what you're so, saying well sometimes they do long enough um and in fact last week i had a had a, a greek student a uh, young girl come up to me and said uh can i be in the picture so i've not really had this before right. um but i was happy to oblige so she stood in front of me um not for that long so i had to get on with it um and i popped her in the picture um but you know i do i do enjoy um meeting people and that interaction that i have with people when i'm painting and it gives me um uh you know it gives me ideas inspiration and the thing people i see and things happening in front of me um and uh but it is also difficult you know there's a lot of things that you don't want to put in there uh i think things that wouldn't complement um what you already have on a canvas so uh so that is i find one of the most difficult things is is when you're painting people within a landscape you know people tend to either be a landscape painter or a figurative painter and i'm trying to marry both together especially a big scene like milsom street you know from from one side to the other that's uh, especially on a small canvas it's quite a difficult thing to to achieve so it doesn't look like you have any blank canvas moments then i've got a lot of canvases at home and I'm running out of space, space to put them so if anyone knows of any galleries anywhere <laughs> <laughs> I'm all ears um, but no I, I don't um, but um, I am always you know looking for inspiration or, or looking for that 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 thing which is going to to make it a really special picture so you've mentioned about landscape and also about portraits effectively merging the two together to some degree so what type of art do you think or artist you are most like 
Who inspires you as an artist? Well, I, I do like the Impressionists, um, and I think they were onto something. Um, I, I do, I do like uh, the idea of producing a painting, you know, in a relatively short period of time, and some, something which incorporates how the artist is feeling, you know, emotions, um, and um, also the freshness, you know, of, of capturing something live. I think if you start working from photography, which I have done, um, you know, it can start to look quite laboured, um, a bit painstaking. Um, and um, so, so I guess I guess Impressionists have inspired me, um, but also John Singer Sargent, who's a fantastic, who was a fantastic portrait painter. So I would like to do, I'd like to do a bit more um, figurative portrait painting, um, but perhaps still within a, a landscape context, but maybe moving towards that end of the scale. Now you mentioned emotions a minute ago, and and I've I don't think I've ever kind of got this, but going round a gallery and almost people start crying when they see a piece of art. So, how do you get emotions into a piece of art? Well, it's interesting you say that. I think you know, thinking back to some of my some of my early paintings that I did when I was a teenager. Um, at the time, you know, I I suppose I was proud of what I'd achieved, and but I didn't I didn't really realise how they would make me feel looking back at them twenty years later. And and I did paintings for for most of the members of my family. Uh, and I guess for me, you know, when I look at those old paintings, it's a link back to my childhood. You know, I remember sitting in the churchyard facing the the farmhouse, and I remember how the the grass had been freshly mown and the lines were on it and I wanted and the, the sun was was shining on on the grass and I wanted to capture that in the painting and so things like that and um and there's chance meeting with my auntie in the churchyard you know that's uh that's that's quite a powerful um connection so so it's difficult to really that's not relating to your question about you know walking around a gallery but um i have had people come up to me in the street um and they've looked at a painting that i've done or perhaps they've seen you know seen something online and and they've told me that they really thought they'd seen uh something uh, some some um, emotional aspect to to the painting and they could have a sense of what i was actually feeling when i was uh, creating it which i was quite astonished about and i knew perhaps yeah i was feeling um, some emotions while I was doing it, but really amazed that they could tell. In fact, the obvious one um, uh, was was the one that I did at the Queen's funeral, and I was in bits really, you know, and the, with the beautiful singing and uh, you know, the quite overwhelmed by by all of the by the moment that I was in there. Um, but probably more because of the singing more than anything else. And I can't really understand why why I felt so much emotion at that. But um, but yeah, and that would then come across in your art. Well, I don't, I don't know about that painting um, in particular. I'm not, I'm not sure that anyone's. I'd be interested if anyone's got any feedback. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, if they do want to see any of your art, where where would they go to then? Oh, so um, my website, uh, where you can see all of my paintings and has my contact details as well, is www.cmintyart.com, uh, and that's C for Charlie. Obviously, M I N T Y A R T dot com. Or Charles, of course. Which, yeah, yeah. So depending on how you're feeling, you know, <laughs> on the day. <laughs> so you're very fortunate now. So you've had jobs in the past, which, as you've openly said a minute ago, you didn't massively enjoy. And you're now an artist full time. So what's the best thing about being an artist? It's got to be that freedom. Um, I could be working in a, in a, in a design context, maybe um, as a, a sort of designer or, or artist stroke designer for a company but um because i am uh, as dot was, was saying you know how, how do you decide what you're going to do next that that's my that's my problem my problem alone and um but it's that freedom which 
you know, it leads you in all sorts of directions. You just don't know where it's going to take you, the people you're going to meet, the opportunities it creates. Uh, and that's the thing that, that never ceases to amaze, amaze me. You know? And as Picasso said, I think we mentioned it earlier, hmm. you know, trying to keep that, that inner child, trying to keep that sense of amazement and wonder at you know, the world. And it's a big world out there. And uh, I think a lot of people, and I certainly find it myself, where I was in, stuck inside four walls and uh, I was eager to get out. Now, for those that have played Pictionary with me in the past, they will all appreciate the fact that my stick figures are incredible. They really are. I I can dance. I do it professionally, and I'm very lucky to do that. I'll be honest with you, my artistry skills, not quite to the same level. But for any bidding, uh, budding artists out there, what advice would you give them in kind of trying to make it a career? Well, I'm not saying to everyone, you know, give up your job and become an artist, because... Uh, <laughs> It's a big decision, and um, you know I'm very lucky to have had lots of support. Um, but uh, if if you feel it's right for you, um, you know, start off in a, in a small way, um, as I did during coronavirus, the, the lockdown. Um, you know, that's when it, when I took up the art again and started to remember these promises I'd made to myself as a teenager. Um, and um, I don't know. I guess I guess it just hit me all of a sudden. I, just, I think it was when I was painting in Charlestown on holiday, and people were coming up to me saying, "That's a really decent painting you're doing, and are you a professional artist?" And it got me thinking. Well, maybe maybe I should be doing it. So, you know, it's one of those things. I think you need to pursue it as a hobby. And uh, actually, as a young chap, I know my in my village who's who's um you know he must be about uh, 11 12 years old um and i'm sure that he's probably destined for a future in art in some form shape or form and actually i saw him in the in the street um last weekend he came along to see what i was doing um so i i like to think you know i could inspire perhaps yeah. another generation of, of artists but you know it's not for everybody it's, it's actually really hard to painting outdoors and there are lots of times when it's cold and, and wet um and perhaps not many people are around or you know uh you're just not enjoying it so it's not it is a, it does become a job to a certain extent like any other but um yeah i think you just have to kind of follow your heart follow your dreams and and sort of have uh, a little bit of common sense and a bit of perspective <laughs> i think it's <laughs> good advice trying to do it as a hobby to start mm. with and if it takes off then you can kind of leave your job behind i suppose i think also something is really uh really great nowadays and something i realized during lockdown which was that when i was leaving school uh, and thinking about what to do um f to study later on at university and, and eventually do for a job you know i i really dismissed i really dismissed the idea of just being an artist you know like like the the greats we talked about um just from selling paintings and actually i did it did cross my mind and i remember coming to bath and, and sort of musing about the idea of just painting mm. pictures and trying to sell them to to residents and passers-by and tourists um but um i did yeah I, I dismissed the idea really but i think now which we didn't have so 20 plus years ago um we didn't have um back then uh the internet and social media and this is a really a really game changer i think for artists um now that they can they can disseminate uh their work um you know well worldwide can't i they? suppose it's the change isn't it that you know you've got the really limited um galleries that you try and get into which very few people would actually go and see versus putting it online and therefore it's available worldwide um, immediately as well with no cost yeah well i i was from a farming background um you know everyone i knew had very practical um uh, jobs um, and um, vocations and 
you know so really the only experience I, I had was of, of people with those types of professions or teaching so mm. so I really couldn't visualise myself uh, being able to succeed in the art world because uh, I didn't know anyone with the gallery um, the idea of trying to produce prints you would have to do a big run on, on a lithograph press printing press um, which would be a big upfront cost um, so I thought it would be a really really tough thing to do but I think it's it is easier nowadays um, for people to do that and um I think um, I think also it's all the more important to to, to create art, you know, in this digital world, um, which is uh, created by you know, human beings with emotions. Um, mm. Even though they're saying computers are going to to start taking over that, uh, you know, last um, you know, uh, field. You I know. think we've got a way to go till that. Um, when we come back after these next couple of records, records, he says, after these next couple of tracks, that shows my age as well, uh, we're going to talk about ballroom dancing, which should be good fun. Can't wait for that. So, uh, yeah, back in a few minutes with the lovely Charlie Minty. Here till two o'clock today. I should go up someday. Right, we're back with the lovely Charlie then. But before we do that, we do have a message from Yvonne. So she said, some fond childhood memories. Loved Popeye the Kid's cartoon. We'd get home from school, hurry up with our tea in, in time for us to sit around the TV to watch Popeye the Sailor Man. Mum would rush home from work to join us and she loved the programme too. So if you do have any fond childhood memories, we'd love to hear about them as well. OK, so yeah, if you do want to do that, studio at radiobath.com is the easiest way to get a hold of us. We're here till two o'clock today. Charlie's back and we're going to talk about dancing now, Charlie. How do we you, are. I can't yeah, wait. I know. It's a passion of both of us. Indeed. So uh, so you're a ballroom teacher as well, aren't you? As well as art. Yeah, so uh, I, I love uh, dance in all its forms. Um, and uh, ballroom, um, ten dancers. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, you can't ask for, for more variety there. Um, so it's not, not strictly got me into it. it was, I think it was we were discussing earlier, really, it was uh, the modern drive SROC. Mm. Um, where I first started and uh, and so I ended up doing um, competitions with my partner Uh, we even went to to Blackpool how was that? uh, we won won. you won? we won it was only beginners at the time this was a few years ago but we yeah couldn't believe it our teacher said uh, at the time said you know because we were struggling with nerves and stuff and he said why don't you go and compete at Blackpool (laughs) (laughs) and I said I said yes because I was, I was like, secretly I wanted to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, my partner was less sure, um, and anyway, we we went up to Blackpool, and uh, it's a long way. Um, it is a long way, and do you know, the, I've been to Tower Ballroom myself a few times, and uh, the thing that I always find amazing is Blackpool isn't, shall we say. Bath. It's not the poshest of cities. Um, and you kind of go from the high street into the tower ballroom and you're kind of walking down these corridors and it just feels like a normal building. And then all of a sudden you go into the corner of the tower ballroom and then you look up. And that's the moment, isn't it? You look up and you go, wow. Yeah, so it's interesting. Actually, I think my first, my first experience with the tower ballroom was actually a, a salsa event. We drove all the way up to, to Blackpool for this salsa night. And um, it was blowing a gale. It must have been probably October or November. I've never seen weather like it. And um, we, we went into, into the tower, and, uh, and we could hear the, the wind howling outside. And, uh, and then we got to the, the inner, inner ball sanctum, the ballroom, and uh, it's an amazing place. Yeah. And I think it's been renovated uh, mm. recently. So 
so it was looking a bit tatty when we were, we were there but yeah. you know it was still still very grand and i could imagine all the people dancing in there you know in many years ago it um, is definitely the mecca and the the strangest thing about the tower ballroom is just how bouncy the floor is which i believe they can actually change how bouncy it is can't they it's a bit like a trampoline yeah yeah which is which is good fun um and i did notice it when we went all jumping up and down at the same time which i think they did do on strictly once um but you know just just with the number of people that were on the floor um and all moving to music at the same time you you start to (laughs) feel that trampoline effect but um but i must mention that a lot of people don't realize that um the tower ballroom um doesn't is not where they hold the 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 annual um ballroom dancing competition that that is actually at the winter gardens Mm. which is literally over the road um but um, you know, I've danced in both places, and uh, you know, I, I love them. I love them both. But certainly, the Tower Ballroom has uh, you know got a is, is is a really special place. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the roof as much as anything else. I, I remember it's much smaller than it looks as well on TV. That's the bit that I always remember about it is that you go there and you think, oh, I, I thought it would be bigger because it does look quite big on TV. But uh, but yeah, it's, it is an amazing place once you're in there. So so how did cha- dancing change your life then? How do you, how do you feel post dancing or pre dancing? Well, I think it's helped my my confidence and body awareness. It's something something that people talk about. Um, I'm as we said earlier, I'm quite tall quite long-limbed um and uh i i you know i think uh with all of these sports i've done in the past perhaps if i'd done the dancing first it would have would have helped with my footwork and a tennis and you know maybe maybe the rugby as well and um but just having you know that confidence and these silly things that we worry about you know how we look and you know movements we make and um when when you're dancing and you're really trying to analyze it on a on 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 a level um which you know most people wouldn't begin to to contemplate that in, in our normal lives but um any sort of ballet dancer or someone who's dancing dancing for artistic merit you know people are watching you and so you want to make it look beautiful um you know it's uh something i've never experienced before and you know even when we were doing the the modern drive which is more of a sociable thing um you know it's, it's still an art form mm. uh, certainly uh and uh you know so so I, you're enjoying the music as well uh, if you like like your music uh, and combining all of those things it's uh, it was something that straight away I knew that I loved doing and wondered why I hadn't been doing it before really I remember uh, many years ago I think it might even be before I started dancing that uh, I used to think to myself if footballers or rugby players actually learn basic ballet or some basic core dance moves then their balance would just be that much better and therefore you would then perform in your sport better now you mentioned playing rugby what position did you play by the way everywhere everywhere <laughs> I started I started off at fullback unfortunately I was a late developer so I started off at, at the fullback I was a good tackler right see? and then I went to the wing and then I went to centre and I was get, getting bored because they never the forwards never gave us the ball no. so I said I'm not playing rugby anymore unless you put me in the forwards so so being quite tall they put me in the second row okay and, uh, that's where I was till I retired due to injury unfortunately that is that is kind of where I imagined you would play just very quickly on a personal level so you can see me sitting in front of you here what I had Hampshire trials when I was 16 what position do you reckon I had Hampshire trials for Wing or scrum half? Yeah, loose head prop. So there we go. <laughs> uh, which, for those that don't know, is the big meaty guys at the front. So, uh, so yeah, I was quite a quite a chunky child, shall we say? Uh, so, so yeah, I was loose head prop at that point. Um, 
So how do you feel about, like, Strictly has kind of branched out fairly recently into it's gone away from being man leading lady, and we've had two ladies dancing together, we've had two men dancing together, one of them being gay once, one of them not being gay once. How do you feel kind of with that development of, uh, of the modern dancing world? Seems a bit confusing when you say all those things at once. But, um, but actually, I kind of think, well, we've all got two arms and two legs, um, well, most of us, um, and even those who, ha- who haven't, you know, you know, we can all kind of interact and dance with each other the same. So in theory, there's there's no reason except that perhaps you know traditionally, you know, one of the one of the people in a partnership would be wearing a dress. Um, and artistically, you know, I suppose you know the rules around ballroom dancing have been based around um, you know a male and a female dancing together. And I think that's probably why you know just traditionally it, it's so set in 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 the sort of rules that that's that's how it must be. Um, that you know, people maybe sometimes struggle with with the idea, but um, of uh, you know, perhaps uh, two women or two men dancing together. Um, but you know, I've I've danced with 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 men um, and women um, at Ciroc, uh and um, and my teachers, you know, in the ballroom. Although my my partner is female, and we dance together in the competitions when we have lessons. You know, sometimes I dance with our our teacher, and most of the time they're, they're smaller than me, um, but equally quite you know quite strong and. Um, uh, and it's quite interesting, really, that, you know. And sometimes trying to be a leader myself, it makes me realise what I'm trying to to make the the, the follower do, you know, or, or or not not what I'm not doing, which or something I'm doing is confusing, or I'm just trying to sort of dance through the person. Or this is very, it's a very difficult um, and uh, difficult subject when you start talking about leading, following. It's, um, it's you know, it, it can often turn to a blame game. You know, is it my fault or is it your fault? You know. Well, we so. used to have the phrase that, uh, you know, back in the day when I used to say when I'm teaching, you know, the men are doing this and the ladies are doing that. And I, I actually used to say this, and the the crowd used to shout back out to me. I say, if it goes wrong, whose fault is it? And they would shout out, it's the man's fault because they're the ones that are leading the dance. Whereas actually, you know, we, we used to wonder why we were thirty ladies over every week because we were blaming the poor men that have no idea what they're doing, and then saying it's all your fault as well. Um, but yeah, we changed the trend, the uh, the, te- the uh, speech to go to lead and follow. And I dance as much to follow these days as I do the lead, pretty much. And I love it. And I think it's a great thing. And it makes me a better dancer to dance the follow part because I understand what the leaders need to do. Um, in ballroom, do you feel it's kind of catching up now? Is it going to catch up? Well, I think it's already there. You can compete in ballroom competitions right. and s- Sunday competitions. You know, as um, a same-sex couple. Um, I mean, you know, from a purely artistic level, you know, I, f- I feel that, you know, to see some of the dresses that the ladies wear, you know, they are absolutely stunning. Um, you know, and I think purposefully, you know, and maybe that should change. You know, the men tend to wear these rather sort of drab um, uh, tail suits, hmm. you know, normally black. And I, I love it when you see someone come out and they've got like a dark blue or a, yeah. a really nice soft grey colour um, suit. But obviously they cost a lot of money to, to make and they, they do wear out. But um, but I think, you know, you've got the contrast between the man's tail suit and, and the woman's dress. So from a purely artistic point of view and the colour, you know, if you've got two people dancing in tail suits, it's, I don't know, not quite as attractive somehow, you know. And even if we you know, could be still the same sex, you know, one decides to wear the dress. But I was going to say, seeing me in a dress is not really what people <laughs> want to see, is it? So. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, but, maybe know. one day we'll get to that point. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like looking at what, what would be the suitable thing to identify that one is the lead and one is the follow. Um, but you're absolutely right. From a visual perspective, having one in kind of a suit and one in a traditional dress is how it's been seen over the years. And from a visual perspective, that looks really nice. Um, having a, a man dress up in a dress would then kind of cheapen it to some degree, I would have thought. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how, kind of how that develops as we go forwards. But um, to go back to, you know, actually my experience of seeing same-sex couples uh, dancing, I, I, we've been beaten by a same-sex couple, two, two gentlemen. Um, they, they did a really good tango. And I think with the tango, it's a very strong... You have to dance it in a very strong way uh, and, very, and very low, you know, really using your mm. knees. And um, I think, uh, you know, that was... They did a lovely waltz as well, but um, particularly the tango, I felt it kind of suited two men dancing together and it was uh quite yeah it's quite impressive actually yeah no i think anybody can lead anybody can follow just got to work out who wears the dress that's kind of the uh, <laughs> strangest <laughs> thing about that well we're going to come back with your quick fire questions after this next part i'm dancing away in this in the studio to that song charlie's looking at me going what are you doing Right, there's Fame by Irene Carver there. So we've got our last little section with Charlie now. So it's the quick fire questions. I'm asking this on every occasion. This is a story to tell, OK? So we want to find out a little bit more about you. He doesn't get these questions in advance, just to let you know. But he does know the first one, OK? So are you ready for it? What is your favourite ice cream? Chocolate chip. Oh, hang on a sec. Always helps for turn your fader up. Try it again. Chocolate chip cookie. Chocolate chip cookie. Are you clean or messy? Uh... A clean, clean, yeah, clean yeah. person, yeah. Okay. My paintings very clean as well. They are. They're very neat yeah, yeah. and tidy. Actually, I don't get paint on myself very much. No. Which, you know, some artists it gets everywhere. In fact, one of my fellow artists said, "You're a very, very, very sort of clean type of painter." <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I thought, funny comment. You are a clean painter. Uh, love or hate roller coasters? Um, Blackpool. Uh, I, you know, was was going over the roller coaster, put my arms up in the air, you know, really loving it, and then it went down and up again and my elbows hit the uh, hit hit the sides and it really really hurt so I can't really remember anything except the pain for the rest of that roller coaster ride I think that was probably the last one the last one you went on so don't put your arms up yeah, that's what everyone does, but don't do it. That, that was on the big one at Blackpool. The yeah. Big Dipper one. The, big, yeah, the, the, big one one, the that, wooden one, yeah. yeah. The, the, the old one. I remember going on that when I was a kid, and I kind of, each time I've been back up to Blackpool, want to do that one again, but never quite got around to it. Don't put your arms up. Don't put my arms up. Good advice. I like that. So excluding social media, any messaging service, so not Facebook, not WhatsApp, nothing like that at all, what's the phone app that you use the most? Um, Instagram. Instagram, uh, no, that's, that's still perfect. social media. Oh, can't have social media. Apart from that, apart from that yeah. So, do you have a game, a favourite game that we while away the time on? No. Oh, there's. You know when your phone phone doesn't work and the dinosaur comes up. No, I don't. Oh, you've got no. When I think when no reception or something, and then the right. dinosaur, dinosaur comes up. It's it's like one of the old um, uh, Game Boy games. Okay. And uh, I think it's on the it's on the internet, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, it's like when Google's not working, the di- dinosaur yes. comes. And you have to jump over the cactus. Okay. Yeah. So that's. That's I, wouldn't say that's what, I can't think of anything else really, but that's, that's something that came to mind. <laughs> that's your favourite Fair enough. So then, yeah, we'll move on, I think. Uh, what's your favourite breakfast? Oh, um, bacon sandwich. Bacon sandwich. Yeah. Sorry, vegans. Vegetarians. That's all right. I am a veggie, but that's fine. You can do whatever you like. Um, what is your favourite go-to karaoke song? I've got a lo- got low voice, so um, yeah, probably, I don't know, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. 
classic. Although it's track. not my favourite song, but <laughs> but that's your go-to ca- if you had to go. It's quite comfortable one. at that. You know, yeah. singing those notes yeah. and as I often ask are you going to give us a little no, well, no okay. nobody said yes yet <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day uh, this is purely for my, my benefit because uh, we run out of things to watch so favourite TV programme um, programme or film or either either uh, well there's a great film that I think everyone, everyone should watch called The Lives of Others The Lives is, of Others there's a German um, film in German language but you can get it in dubbed in English um, but uh, yeah it's quite a moving program about um, uh, someone who works for the, um, the Soviet secret police um, doing terrible things and, and then he turns a leaf and um, suddenly I think actually through listening to the, the people who's spying on listening to their lives and the music because they're very cultured people he, he just changes his whole his whole life and then starts doing things for good but I don't want to spoil the story no no please it's don't. amazing amazing don't. film but, quite uh, what, emotional what was it called again The Lives of Others The Lives of Others okay and your last question today Charlie then is if you came back in your life as an animal which one would you be and why oh my goodness I know we've had some really interesting answers for this question as well so let's see what comes out oh an eagle an eagle, an eagle I think yeah. Why? Well, I might do actually because they've got a long wings, wingspan as well. They do. Um, yeah. But to be soaring up to those heights and look down on everything, um, yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? An eagle would be incredible. Flight. Yeah. So, uh, so Stuart, when he came in, wanted to be a seagull. So very similar, <laughs> but it was more about that he could pinch people's lunches and oh. then poo on people he didn't like. Oh, right. So uh, slightly, <laughs> slightly less romantic from Stuart, but, uh, but yeah, an eagle would be lovely. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for coming in today. Can you remind us again what your website is? Yeah, so thanks very much for having me. Uh, my website is uh, cmintyart, and that's uh, spelled C-M-I-N-T-Y-A-R-T, and that's uh, .com. And when are you next going to be painting live in Bath Streets for us then? Um, I shall be in Bath High Street um, tomorrow morning, I hope, with my picture of Milsom Street. I've got a couple of things just to finish off, and I've got to sign it, of course. Of course. So come along and see the finished painting. Yeah, come along and see how, just what Charlie's like, actually. He's, uh, he's a lovely chap. So, uh, so yeah, thank you so much for coming into Radio Bath today, Charlie. It's been amazing. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me.